0: Welcome to Murder Minute. On today's episode, The Eight-Day Bride. But first, your true crime headlines. Authorities in Las Vegas have ruled an infant girl's death a homicide after police said that she was thrown by her father from a second-story apartment balcony during an argument with the child's mother. London Martin was almost two months old. said that officers who responded to the 911 call arrived on the scene to find the girl's mother and a neighbor trying to resuscitate her. She was later pronounced dead of severe head injuries at a local hospital. The father, 32-year-old Clarence Martin Jr., set fire to the apartment that he shared with the girl's mother, fled the scene in the mother's vehicle, crashed at least twice, and ran into McCarran International Airport where he was arrested. Their pet dog also died in the fire, which Clark County firefighters said damaged at least two other apartments. A downstairs neighbor told police that she heard screaming and banging upstairs, looked out, and saw Martin leaving, saying, Burn, expletive burn, that's what you get for cheating on me. The infant's mother told police that Martin was her fiancé, and that they had been together for four years. She was aware that Martin had mental health issues, but had not seen any issues until the last three days. He hadn't eaten or slept during the 72-hour period. The woman told authorities that she fell asleep with her baby at around one o'clock that morning and woke to Martin, kicking her and the baby to the floor. She took her to the living room and sat on the couch That's when she said that Martin pulled the baby from her arms and went out onto the balcony. When he stepped back inside a moment later, he didn't have the baby. She then ran outside and saw her infant daughter on the ground. Martin faces charges of open murder, arson in the first degree, killing an animal, battery on a protected person, and duty to stop at the scene of an accident. A GoFundMe has been set up for the mother to cover funeral costs and the loss of her home. In Nashville, Tennessee, the mother and stepbrother of a 14-year-old boy with autism have been charged with criminal homicide in his death. 52-year-old Rebecca Greenwood and 33-year-old David Matheny were arrested Saturday after the teen was found dead from what Nashville police described as an apparent assault-related trauma. Greenwood called 911 on Friday to report that her son, Saeed Nielsen, fell in the shower, hit his head, and appeared to be dead. But detectives saw injuries on the boy's body that were inconsistent with a fall, which led to further questioning of Greenwood and Matheny. Authorities say that Greenwood told police that she watched as Matheny punched and kicked her son during an altercation, and asked him to stop, but then walked away. Matheny told detectives that the altercation with his stepbrother didn't result in serious injury. Greenwood and Matheny were booked into the Nashville Jail. They have been charged with criminal homicide, aggravated child abuse, and evidence tampering. A Kansas man accused of abducting his two young daughters from a home where two boys were found dead was arrested on Sunday after a three-state search. Authorities began searching for the girls after they were reported missing on Saturday from a house in Leavenworth, 40 minutes north of Kansas City, Kansas. Their disappearance sparked amber alerts in Kansas, Oklahoma and Arkansas. Later that evening, Oklahoma Highway Patrol troopers and Beckham County officials pulled the suspect over after an officer spotted the Honda Accord from the Amber Alert near the Texas-Oklahoma border. The two girls, aged three and seven, were found safe, and the father, 40-year-old Donnie Jackson, was taken into custody. The Kansas Bureau of Investigation said that Jackson was also believed to have been involved in a double homicide of two boys, aged 11 and 14, found dead in the same Leavenworth home. It is unclear what connection Jackson had to the two male victims. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, The Eight-Day Bride. But first, a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. As a kid, I loved cereal. And so did my mom. It was the fastest way to get us kids to feed ourselves and get out the door to school every morning. Just pour and go. And there was nothing better than sitting on the floor in my jammies with my cereal, watching Saturday morning cartoons. But as an adult... I can't really get away with eating a big bowl of carbs and sugar anymore. I need a healthy breakfast, even if I do still sit in my pajamas and watch cartoons. But now I can have my cereal, without the junk food sugar coma, with Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon is the cereal that you've been waiting for. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and gmo free that's right zero grams of sugar 11 grams of protein and only three net grams of carbs in each serving and no it doesn't taste like cardboard this is not your grandma's oat bran magic spoon is everything you loved about cereal as a kid with four flavors cocoa fruity frosted and blueberry this cereal is so delicious you won't believe that it's actually good for you. Get the healthy cereal that Forbes magazine called The Future of Breakfast. Go to magicspoon.com/murderminute to grab a variety pack and try it today and be sure to use our promo code murderminute at checkout to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, They'll refund your money, no questions asked. Put on your gym jams and go to magicspoon.com/murderminute and use the code Murder Minute at checkout. That's magicspoon.com/murderminute and use the code Murder Minute for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this podcast. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? If you've been thinking about talking to someone, it's time to get BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist so that you can start communicating in under 48 hours. This is not a crisis line and it's not self-help. BetterHelp is professional counseling done securely online they have a broad range of expertise available and the service is available for clients worldwide just log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor you'll get timely and thoughtful responses plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so that you don't ever have to sit in a waiting room better help is committed facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you need to plus it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available better wants you to start living a happier life today just visit their website and read the testimonials posted daily like this one written by a BetterHelp user after counseling with Grace Marquez for three weeks. I am extremely grateful for the time that I have spent working with Grace so far. She has offered me helpful solutions for coping with my daily stress and anxiety, and has helped me start to get to the deeper root of where my anxiety stems from. I look forward to my sessions with her and have seen a great amount of progress already. Visit BetterHelp.com MurderMinute, that's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are now recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Murder Minute listeners get 10% off their first month, when they visit betterhelp.com/murderminute, that's betterhelp.com/murderminute. I'm always looking for the best clean nutrition to help me stay healthy, active, and feeling my best. But it can be challenging to stick to good habits in 2020. That's why I'm so happy that I found Orgain. Orgain has all kinds of organic products to fit your active lifestyle and keep you moving. Like nutrition shakes, protein powders, meal powders, and bars, all full of organic vitamins and minerals that taste delicious and provide maximum nutrition. This is a game changer. I've been using Orgain's collagen peptide powder to keep my hair, skin, and nails useful and healthy. Because one thing that Orgain and I agree on is that neither of us ever use fillers. Orgain promises never to use artificial ingredients, preservatives, or GMOs. Plus, Orgain ships right to your door, and you can set up recurring deliveries to get your favorite products delivered for free. Thanks to Orgain, I finally found the best clean products to keep me healthy and maximize my nutrition. And right now, you can save 20% off your first order plus when you subscribe you can save even more go to tryorgain.com/minute50 that's t r y o r g a i n.com/minute50 for 20% off your first order plus extra savings when you subscribe at tryorgain.com/minute50 Welcome back to Murder Minute. On May 12, 1947, 21-year-old Christina McCone, a bank worker living in Mimico, Ontario, Canada, and 26-year-old veteran John Ray Kettlewell, who everyone called Jack, eloped. The couple had known each other for three years, but Christina's family had concerns. Her father, a Polish immigrant, had been against the marriage because Jack was not a Roman Catholic. But even after Jack converted, the family still objected to their union. When they discovered Christina's plan, her two sisters showed up to the apartment that she was staying at with Jack, and just hours before the wedding, pleaded with Christina to call it off. She refused. Evidently, the row caused such a disturbance That neighbors called the police and Christina's sisters gave up and left Christina's family wasn't really concerned about Jack they were suspicious of his ever-present best friend 28 year old Ronald Eugene Barry Ronald was a professional ballroom dancer who never seemed to leave the couple's side He had immigrated to Canada from northern Italy and attempted to start a construction business and an insurance business, but was unsuccessful. Ronald was so intertwined with Christina and Jack, it was as if there were three in the relationship. He even went on their honeymoon. When Jack and Christina got married, we thought it was very strange that Barry went along on the honeymoon. Christina's sister, Helen, would later recall. That's what made us wonder if Ronnie was also in love with Chris. Ronald owned a cottage in Severn Falls, which he offered up to the newlyweds for their honeymoon. The property was two hours away from Mimico and was only accessible by boat. Jack and Christina and Ronald Barry, spent the first five days of their honeymoon at an apartment on Tyndall Avenue in Toronto. Then, on May 17, 1947, the three made their way to Ronald's cottage. Three days later, on May 20th, 1947, Christina's lifeless body was found on the riverbank, drowned in nine inches of river water, and the cabin was burned to the ground. According to Ronald, he returned to the cabin that day after sunbathing at 6.30 p.m. and discovered Jack, dazed, with a head injury. He carried Jack outside and noticed smoke coming from the kitchen. Then, he said, he ran back inside to search for Christina, but couldn't find her. Ronald rushed Jack to a hospital as neighbors fought the flames, but it was no use. Within an hour, the cottage was reduced to a smoldering pile of ash. Only the foundation and the chimney remained. At 10 p.m., a neighbor found Christina's body, face down on the bank of the Severn River. She was barefoot, wearing floral pajamas, and her wedding ring was missing. Christina's body showed no evidence of burn marks and no signs of violence. Police questioned Ronald Berry for 13 hours, after which he penned two written statements. One of them was 3,000 words long. Authorities described Ronald's account as, quote, fantastic. After Jack was released from the hospital, he, too, was interrogated for three hours. Jack told authorities that the last thing he could remember was having breakfast with Ronald and Christina at 11 a.m. Police suspected foul play and were particularly focused on the relationship between Jack and Ronald. On June 19th, an inquest into the mysterious death of Christina Kettlewell began, and she became known as the Eight Day Bride. Large crowds descended on the courthouse in Bracebridge, Ontario. The courtroom was packed with spectators. The tragedy was so sensationalized in the papers that fans even lined up outside the courthouse and swarmed Jack and Ronald for autographs which they gladly signed the special crown council at the inquest CP hope called Ronald Berry quote a liar of the most blatant kind whose sinister figure permeates the whole of this tragedy but whose purpose and design are shrouded in mystery the inquest revealed that Ronald Berry had recently been named as the beneficiary on two separate $5,000 life insurance policies for Jack and Christina, both taken out by Jack just before they eloped. The policies carried a double indemnity provision. This meant that in the event of accidental death, twice the amount would be paid to Ronald Barry, awarding him the equivalent Of roughly two hundred and sixty thousand dollars today Ronald also purchased five thousand dollars worth of insurance on the cottage and named Jack as the beneficiary equivalent to sixty five thousand dollars today Jack even signed over his wartime gratuities to Ronald and completely cut his own family out of his will In a statement made during his interrogation, Jack admitted that he and Ronald Barry were having an affair. But when this statement was entered as an exhibit at the inquest, Jack recanted the statement. He testified that he was pressured into the admission, saying, quote, that is what the police were trying to make. Residents of Severn Falls, however, noticed the men's close relationship and their frequent trips together were the subject of gossip among locals. Ronald also admitted to the relationship under questioning, but insisted that it was only experimentation and that nothing had happened between he and Jack since 1939. Ronald had an explanation for Christina's death. Suicide. In the months leading up to her death, Christina evidently wrote several troubling letters, which Ronald made sure that he saved from the fire. A suicide letter addressed to Ronald Berry from April 6th, Easter Sunday, revealed that Christina had allegedly tried to kill herself by poisoning. In it, she wrote of her distress that Jack had not yet proposed and discussed suicide saying quote this will be the best way out as I cannot bear to see another girl have him Jack testified that he remembered that his fiancee was ill that day but knew nothing of the letter and had no idea that she had attempted suicide in another letter from the end of April Christina wrote again to Ronald That she not only wanted to take her life but Jack's as well. Quote, when you love someone you really love him and I know there is no one for me but Jack and if I cannot have him I do not intend anyone else to. I waited as you might say in the hope that Jack would ask me to marry him but I now realize I am just a passing fancy. Jack recalled that they were extremely sick that day, but had no idea that they had been poisoned. A final letter was written the day before her death. This one was addressed to a Mrs. Thomas. Thomas owned a home in Mimico where Christina briefly stayed with Jack before they eloped. According to Ronald, Christina entrusted him to mail the letter for her. The last suicide note read, quote, Ronnie is in the boat outside somewhere. By the time he gets back, everything will be all over with. He must have been afraid something would happen because he is staying an extra day to make sure we go back to Toronto with him. A handwriting expert testified at the inquest that the suicide notes were, quote, undoubtedly, written in Christina's hand. But Mrs. Thomas, whom the last letter was addressed to, characterized Ronald as a manipulator and said that she remembered Christina mentioning being afraid that something bad might happen if Ronald went on the honeymoon. She also said that it was her impression that Jack was Ronald's assistant. Ronald never told Jack about Christina's threats of suicide or the letters. Jack's interpretation of these revelations at the inquest was that his friend was trying to protect him. Christina Kettlewell's cause of death was ruled a drowning, but toxicology reports also revealed traces of codeine in her stomach. Investigators couldn't rule out the possibility of suicide. But there was another suspicious detail. One of the neighbors who fought the fire while Ronald rushed Jack to the hospital, Major Lawrence Scarterfield, said that he had not seen Christina's body while he fetched water to douse the flames, even though he repeatedly collected it from the same location on the riverbank where she was found later that night. It was also noted that Christina's feet had no marks on them, despite walking barefoot from the cabin down to the river. This suggested that Christina's body may have been moved to the river after the fire was put out. In the end, the jury was unable to agree whether Christina's death was a suicide Or homicide quote due to the fact that the post-mortem examination disclosed codeine in the stomach of the deceased and due to the suspicious fact that she was found drowned this jury is unable to decide with the evidence given whether or not foul means were employed in her death they delivered an open verdict in the case and Jack and Ronald were free to go on May 26, 1947, Christina Kettlewell's funeral took place in the same Mimico Church that the eight-day bride had eloped in. Jack remarried three years later, and had a son named Richard. In 1956, Ronald Barry disappeared to New York. He left behind the Pinckney's dog named Ling. For Richard and they never heard from him again in 1969 Jack and his wife separated but never divorced in 1992 Richard Kettlewell's wife Sharon came across the story of the eight-day bride Jack had never spoken about it to his family and now was elderly and in poor health so Richard and his wife decided never to bring it up. Richard and his wife Sharon described him as an easygoing man who actively avoided conflict and any situation where he might have to assert himself. Richard Kedowell believes that his father was taken advantage of. I think this Barry guy sort of manipulated my dad, just dominated him. Richard told the star. My parents went to their grave saying nothing. Jack Kettlewell died in 1998. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute.